We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Into the wide receiver crystal ball on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at Rotoviz. We have an exciting show tonight, Curtis. I got to be honest, I had a long day coming off the sickness, was a little tired, went into the coffee cabinet. I have one type of coffee that I save, it's got a boost to it, which means it's got extra caffeine. I then oh, was wow. planning on putting a little bit of sugar into this. I slipped and I got about half of like our like sugar, like the tub that contains our sugar, but half of that is now in my drink. Needless to say, I am ready to go for the wide receiver crystal ball, my friend. Okay. Well, we're recording three episodes tonight. So this episode will be great. And the third one will just be a monologue by me while you're sleeping on your desk. (laughs) Um, I'm glad to hear it, man. It is good to hear the pet back in your voice uh, after your struggle uh, being sick last week. I'm pumped too, man. This actually feels like the first week of, of re- like regular season schedule. I mean, we had this, the Scott fishbowl, uh, draft kicking off this morning. I actually, uh, I poured a bourbon for tonight's show, which I've, I've not been doing for months now. Uh, makers mark cask strength. This one was bottled in 2018, February of that year. It's, it's a good one. Uh, try it if you haven't. And uh, so I'm very excited too. And before we get into the the regular content with our stat attack, uh, sponsored by the FFPC, and then some of our wide receiver crystal ball musings, I just wanted to take a minute to tip the cap to Hassan Rahim. Now, Hassan's written for the site for a number of years, and his annual tradition, his big summer article each year, has kind of become this breakdown of the Scott Fishbowl and the strategy. You know, Scott Fish always trying to keep all the industry uh, and fans that play in this huge event on our toes. And there's, there's always a little, a a little twist. Uh, And if there's not a twist, then he's just, you know, adding more players. So it just gets more and more difficult to win every year. And I just really appreciate Hassan's uh, very detailed way of going through the settings, um, offering historical perspective on the event and then position specific strategy notes as well as, you know, ADP calls and structure 
uh, thoughts. Like, you know, it's Rotoviz. We got to talk about is zero RB viable in this contest. Um, so you've got to check that out. Um, definitely a reason to go over to rotoviz.com. It's on the front page. Probably we'll keep it there for part of tomorrow as well. Uh, just because it's, you know, very on topic, but great job, Hassan. You really kicked this one uh, right through the uprights. And uh, Dave, we'll just quickly kind of check in on our teams. I, I had the 101 and I'm thinking I got a veer right away. So Josh Allen, you know, Hassan even covers it in, in his article uh, that, you know, Allen would be the prohibitive favorite. And there's only a couple other players to consider. I actually go Justin Herbert Ooh. at 101. Uh, just trying to get something a little unique out of that slot. Uh, so I'm not fighting with all of the other Josh Allen teams. And I did make my 212 pick. I'm going to be waiting a while as it's third round reversal uh, for those listeners who are playing that know. And I was hoping for Kirk Cousins. I really wanted to start QBQB so I wouldn't have to rotate. There's very few guys after Cousins. We've talked about this in our best ball episodes yep. that we feel comfortable with going. Um, now, of course, this is a, a roster management league. Yep. Um, but very, very few guys after Cousins that I'd feel comfortable with in a two QB build, really in any format. Cousins goes the pick before me. So uh, <laughs> actually two picks before me. And then my, then my backup plan was to stack, uh, stack Austin Eckler with Justin Herbert. And then Eckler goes the pick before me. So my two guys, so I, I, I'm left reevaluating my plans. I'm thinking about the, you know, the half point per first down, thinking about the context of some of these offenses and who could take a step forward. There's lots and lots of wide receiver depth. And I really think that that three, four turn is going to be a great place for my one and two. So I went with the running back that was a favorite of ours last year, Dave, uh, that in this format, I think could take a step forward. I went with Najee Harris. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. I went with Najee Harris at the two twelve. So, you know, hoping that Mitch Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky or uh, Kenny Pickett, either one that we get, will be a boost over Roethlisberger and we can get that touchdown count up in addition to all of the, you know, the monster touches that Harris got last year. You drew the 109. How's your draft going? Draft's going slow. <laughs> uh, I still have yeah. not had the pleasure of picking. Uh, uh, Things seem to be picking up a little bit, though. As I'm looking at the board, I am really hoping that Lamar Jackson does not get taken with the pick before me. We have seen yeah. Cooper Cup and... um Cooper Cup actually went third overall. Then we had Jonathan Taylor going at the 106. And interestingly enough, Aaron Rodgers at the 105, leaving Lamar Jackson in play for me at the 109. Behind him, the other options at quarterback are Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. So I'm going to see what happens. Hopefully I can get Lamar. If not, I'm going to have to think about how I play quarterback there. I'm then hoping to yeah. follow that up with one of the elite tight ends. And then with the third round reversal, make use of getting another passer filled in there. So have not had a chance to start actually building out this roster, but I have a plan in place. Hey, um, anything's possible, man. The world is your <laughs> oyster in this draft so far. You definitely have not made any picks that are going to lose you the league. Yes. Um, so we'll check in on our squads next week. You know, I, just based off of, you know, a couple years playing in this thing. You know, maybe we'll be about, you know, halfway through or something like that, maybe two thirds of the way through the draft. But thanks to Scott Fish. Um, if you didn't catch Dave and I, we did participate in the SFB Podathon over the weekend. Uh, so also want to um, give a gift of respect to Sal Lito, uh, former Rotoviz podcast host in his own right. Uh, Dave and I were able to help raise nearly $4,000 uh, for the cause for Toys for Tots. 
uh, based off of that appearance. And, you know, we really appreciate those of you who tuned in and, and those of you who donated. I'm sure you were amongst the, the many who chipped in. And you still uh, can donate that. too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just go to scottfishbowl.com slash give and it'll take you right to the donation page. Dave, that takes us to our FFPC stat attack for our wide receiver crystal ball episode. And you'll take us through the process, but yep. one player we're going to talk about, obviously, in this episode is Jamar Chase. If we're talking about the crystal ball for 2023, and thanks to the Rotoviz screener, I can tell you confidently that since the age, or since uh, the year 2000, amongst age 21 wide receivers, regardless of rookie year or second year, because we have had a couple of those 20-year-old uh, rookie wide receivers, Jamar Chase scored more PPR points than anybody. Of course, he had 17 games in his rookie season, an advantage that others did not have. But he also had more receiving yards, and he was tied for the uh, third most, uh, fourth most targets, rather, and uh, was among the leaders in, in reception. So uh, the Rotoviz screener, not an often talked enough about tool on rotoviz.com, but you can create basically any query you want, all kinds of plotting op- options, uh, all kinds of, of triggers and levers that you can pull. It is um, a creative fantasy player's dream tool. So definitely a reason for a sub this year at rotoviz.com. Of course, this segment brought to you by the FFPC. You can play high stakes Redraft or Dynasty over at myffpc.com and new players on the format uh, and new subscribers to Rotoviz also get a nice little bonus in their account. Nothing you need to do, just automatically happens as our email servers talk to each other. Uh, so sign up at myffpc.com and consider signing up for Rotoviz.com as well. All right, Dave, let's get into it. All right. So what we're going to do now is a very fun exercise. We're going to do it a little bit different than those of you that have heard some of these episodes that Curtis has done in the past. We're switching it up a little bit tonight. But what we are doing is we are looking into the crystal ball, thinking ahead to the start of next season. And we're doing this for two reasons. Um, the first being from a redraft lens. I think lots of times what can happen when we are building teams is that we are using information from last year, right? Because lots of times we're drafting off of ADP, expectations that we've built by looking in the past, which sometimes can work out, sometimes it doesn't. What we love to look for, though, are players with upside, players that are going to be the next big thing that by the end of the season, you are going to be wishing you had drafted at the start of the season. So one way we can start to identify who those guys might be is look ahead a year. Think about in dynasty next year, which players are going to have the most value when we think about the expected trajectory of their career. And, you know, in a redraft league, if you're drafting a player that's in the twenties, who's going to be in the tens in dynasty heading into next year, that's probably a player that's going to make a big difference for your team. So I wanted us to kind of go through this exercise, Curtis, because I think we can kind of kill two birds with one stone. It's a great way to check in on player value. I think we'll address a lot of the needs of listeners out there and help us to hone in on some of those guys that not only do we like heading into this season, but long-term we like as well. Anything to add before we start the exercise? No, let's get into it, man. This is like the most fun type of podcast. All right. Let's do it. So the way we are structuring this is I pulled um, redraft FFP or best ball FFPC ADP. We're going to do wide receivers on this episode. 
I've grabbed groups of five players that are all sequentially um, ordered in ADP within their position. So to start off, Curtis, let's look at Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, C.D. Lamb, and Mike Evans. As we look forward to next year, out of those players, who will have the highest value? Who's going to be the earliest player going in ADP? Is there any chance it's not Jamar Chase? No, it's going to be it's going to be Chase, um, both for redraft and dynasty. But I will say, I think the interesting part here is that that CD Lamb is either going to be the second in this group, or or probably fall out of it altogether, um, and be replaced by other young receivers who are not currently in this grouping of five. I mean, the deck, uh, the deck is and the deck are stacked for uh, for CD Lamb in in 2022 with the, with Gallup being slow to come back from injury, uh, James Washington, um, and and rookies, obviously Jalen Tolbert, obviously you know competing for for looks there. But CD should crush, and if he doesn't, it's going to be a little bit of a referendum on his, his long term dynasty upside. And after two effective but not elite years uh, in the NFL, I think a third season of kind of, you know, middling wide receiver two production would really be disappointing and people would hold it against them next year. So Chase going to be at the top of this group. And I think in dynasty, we actually probably see all three of these uh, aging receivers fall down the charts a little bit. Uh, Devonte Adams switching teams starts to get into the age risk uh, as 2023 will be his age 30 season. Um, Stefan Diggs, uh, you know, could could tumble based off of other players uh, stepping forward in the Buffalo offense. He's also getting longer in the tooth, and, and Mike Evans could uh, tumble for any number of reasons. Um, he he's very high this year because Chris Godwin not a favorite to start uh, the beginning of the year, and the team will have to see what they have in Russell Gage versus Antonio Brown. But Evans old himself, and Tom Brady retirement could really uh, change the outlook for him and the future as well. I, I actually think this group was pretty easy to break down. Dave, do you see anything differently than, than I did? No, I don't see anything different, but really the reason that I wanted to bring it up was as I look at these names and I'm thinking about the current year, it's easy for me to have CD behind all of these names, especially given what I saw with the Evans projection that I had. And I, I say easy as, and I can see ways that they all would excel more than Lamb would. But as I do think about the fact that I that I think Lamb is in a very good position, I think he's a very good receiver, and I look at the rest of them, if I keep that in mind, on my best ball teams, I've started to make sure that I am getting much more Lamb than I may have previously, even if that means going at, like drafting him, maybe one, two, three spots early in ADP so that I am getting good exposure to the potential upside and the step forward that we could take in comparison to these other receivers who are likely, if they're going to take a step, it's probably going to be backwards. So I agree, that's a pretty easy one to break down there. So it starts to get a little bit harder. This next grouping of players, Curtis, Ooh. we have AJ Brown, <laughs> Michael Pittman, Mike Williams, DJ Moore, Jalen Waddle. This gets really interesting. A lot of young wide receivers in there. Then we have the player in Mike Williams who did take a step forward, got that big contract and is playing with a great offense and a hot shot young quarterback. Maybe not as much of a hot shot as Zach Wilson. I should interject. <laughs> yeah. Zach Wilson has been taking plenty of hot shots. Himself. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, okay. So 
This one's interesting, and it's a place where I see that there could maybe be a little bit of difference between uh, redraft and dynasty. I think it's very re- uh, reasonable to suggest Mike Williams could be the highest in redraft um, next year from this group. I mean, he's definitely got the most bankable quarterback situation, and um, Keenan Allen is showing signs of um, you know efficiency falloffs that often precipitate uh, even even more efficiency and eventually volume uh, fall offs. It's, it's very possible Mike Williams ends up getting a year or two as the true alpha uh, for LAC, which would really you know vault him probably into the middle you know mid wide receiver one conversation in 2023 if we see that step occur. And the floor is just not really that low, assuming health in that offense. I mean Herbert's going to continue to ascend. Um, the, the 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 team's playing in a loaded AFC West where they'll have to win plenty of shootouts. Uh, really like this situation. AJ Brown, um, it, it's going to depend on, you know, it, is Jalen Hurts actually the truth? If he is, I think it will be no question uh, that he would be the number one in redraft and certainly in dynasty from this group. But if Hurts doesn't take a step forward and the team has turnover at quarterback, um, that could propel AJ Brown, you know, down the board within the context of this group um, in either scenario. Pittman, we've already talked about Pittman. I think Pittman's already achieved his ceiling, probably. Yeah, I think he's um, already his ADP is already higher than his ceiling. Yeah, yes, in redraft, definitely. You know, in dynasty, he's kind of in that area where it's like, all right, I'm not going to really argue with you over you know the tier of about 20 receivers that are going um, in, in those rounds of of dynasty startups. DJ Moore, <laughs> in he, I don't know. I, I don't know if Baker is actually a, a big upgrade over what DJ's had earlier in his career. We talked a little bit about Cam Newton, you know, being that first quarterback. And since then, DJ Moore having trash at the position available to him. But I don't know how good Baker actually is. And certainly don't know if the Carolina coaching staff is the the staff to, to bring whatever ceiling he might have out of him. Um, Jalen Waddle. That's that's kind of an interesting one because if uh, Coach McDaniel does what he says he's going to do and and lets these guys you know operate you know at or near the line of scrimmage and and be yak monsters for PPR purposes, Jalen Waddle could be pretty exciting. So if if I'm going to say that I'm going I'm going to say AJ Brown will be the top both in in redraft and dynasty because I am a Jalen Hurts believer. Um, I think that my second pick here for redraft would actually be Mike Williams. He would be my one B. Um, and then my dynasty one B would actually be Jalen Waddle. Um, how do you see this group? So I love AJ Brown. I love Jalen hurts. Um, I do not think though that the Eagles offense is going to be prolific enough to have him finishing at the top of the pack as we head into next year. From a redraft perspective, I really agree with the points that you made about Mike Williams. One of the major reasons for that is I think we're going to see Mike Williams score a ton of touchdowns this year. I think probably around 10 or 11. I think that there's also going to be the narrative heading into next season once Williams has passed him that there's even more of the opportunity in Los Angeles for him to accrue. So given those two components, I think in redraft, he probably will be the highest next year. Um, in terms of dynasty though, I, that one's a little bit more dicey to me. I think I could see AJ Brown holding on to that value over Waddle 
even though I probably personally would actually rather have Waddle, I've always been a big Waddle supporter, but I think with Tyreek there, even though they're both going to crush it this year, I think we do see it depressed. So as I think about it a little bit more, I do agree, Curtis, in Dynasty, A.J. Brown probably ends up with the most value. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All, All right. right. We've, we found some overlap, man. Nice. So I got to race us along here, Curtis, because I'm trying to jam these in. We're doing pretty good on time so far. Juju Smith-Schuster, Rashad Bateman, Darnell Mooney, Amon Ross St. Brown, or Mari Cooper. This is an interesting mix. There are a lot of questions in, the, in this group. <laughs> a lot of questions. Oh, Yeah, this one's tough, man. Uh, this is really tough. Uh because from a redraft perspective, if Amari isn't busted in 2023, we think Deshaun Watson's going to be back certainly at that point. Yep. Um, so, so even with Amari um, entering his late twenties uh, by the time 2023 comes around, there's going to be a case to be made for a new look Cleveland Browns offense with him as potentially Watson's uh, favorite target. Um, however, there, there are some question marks around uh, his current level of effectiveness and then obviously around the quarterback availability um, from a dynasty perspective. I think both of those things will hurt Amari. And I think his range amongst these players and redraft really could be anywhere from one to five. Um, similarly with Juju Smith Schuster chance for second life as the preferred wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes. He could totally smash this and be a, a top 12 wide receiver in 2023 for redraft purposes and challenge that range again in dynasty if he really actually does cement himself in that type of role. Um, but there's huge question marks as to whether that will happen. I mean, before Tyreek Hill, we didn't really see target consolidation at the wide receiver position, um, in part in Kansas City because of the talent level of Travis Kelsey, but even Jeremy Macklin, who we talked about in the day, struggled to kind of get yeah. beyond that Tyler Lockett level of role. Um, and Juju's a totally different player. So if you're talking about a slot guy that's going to get 90 to 100 targets, we're not as excited. Um, so I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna put Juju in the same boat as uh, Amon Ray St. Brown because I think they're actually gonna have similar type roles in their offenses. But I but I do believe you know Juju's ceiling is higher. So that brings us to Bateman and Mooney. Um, Bateman now as the alpha for Lamar Jackson behind uh, Mark Andrews in Baltimore. I think is probably the safest play in this group. Uh, because we we saw enough as a, he's safest for dynasty purposes 
And, and I think for redraft is probably as well, because we know what that role has meant in terms of target volume in, in Baltimore. It's going to be highly projectable year over year. And it's possible that Rashad Bateman could even see an uptick in targets versus a player like Hollywood Brown, who was utilized more downfield. Uh, maybe Bateman will get peppered a little bit more. Um, he's going to have the age on his side. His, his dynasty growth has been a little stunted because of the lack of production in year one uh, centered around those injuries. So he could really vault up the boards uh, by 2023. Um, if, if he turns in, you know, kind of like a 71,006 um, type of season for Baltimore, which I think is highly reasonable. And then that brings us to Mooney. The Mooney's already shown us a, a lot of upside. I mean, actually DJ Moore esque type production with just as many questions about his offense, if not more. Um, but now we're going to have a, a friendlier uh, situation in Chicago, a, year, a full off season for Justin Fields and Mooney together. Um, Fields taking that year two leap could really push Darnell Mooney into you know, kind of the area that we saw Antonio Brown hit um, as a similar type of receiver uh, as he was emerging uh, back in, you know, the early 2010s for, for Pittsburgh. So I actually think the highest ceiling out of this group is Darnell Mooney, but he needs fields to hit. Uh, he needs fields to hit his ceiling in order to achieve that. And so I, I put his ceiling the highest both in Dynasty and in redraft. Now that I've talked it through, I'm going to say Bateman is my pick. Uh, he's my, my safety pick at one for both formats. Um, but my 1A pick and or 1B pick in Dynasty would be Darnell Mooney. Um, and my 1B pick in Redraft uh, would actually be Amari Cooper. How do you see it? Wow, interesting. So <clears throat> we all know I've been a big Juju Smith-Schuster fan historically. When I first looked at this, my eyes start to light up when I see Juju, but I take a step back. I start yeah. to work my way through this thought process with a lot of my thoughts overlapping with yours. So I ended up zoning in on Bateman and Mooney. A lot of that comes from the fact that in the case of Bateman, very strong profile coming out of school, in my opinion, had an odd situation his first year, but now is well positioned to be in a spot where he could be a real go-to for Lamar Jackson. Darnell Mooney, most talented receiver in that grouping, of course, there's the question at the quarterback spot, as you mentioned. Now, Juju, if I'm sitting down doing a projection or trying to build a range of outcomes, looking at things in the past, however I'm doing it, he's going to score above these guys. But there are plenty of reasons that he could fail to take a step forward. And really, one more mediocre season for Juju, and I think he's going to be completely written off, which would be fair at this point in his career from a dynasty context. So I actually would go with Bateman in both a mm -hmm. redraft and a dynasty perspective, because if I'm thinking of a guy that's able to outplay expectations, really take, take a step forward, Bateman looks to me like the one that is in the spot that he can use his talents the most to push that forward. So I am actually going to go with Bateman. I hear your point on Amari, but the thing is, it could be another like mediocre season for him without um, Deshaun, if Deshaun Watson doesn't play, at which point, you know, at Cooper's age heading into next year, what does his value really look like even in redraft? So those, those are kind of my thoughts. Yep. Not too much variation there. Uh, at least we had alignment on the top player yep. uh, to target from the range. 
And uh, I think that's the big takeaway. Do we have time for one more group or do we need to wait uh, for another day? Yeah, no, I think we can finish that. We have time for one more group. The other thing I'll say that's interesting, though, just quickly here about Bateman being that player. I almost feel like it's the he's the player of the group that can feel the most uncomfortable to make that decision on because you do not have much (laughs) past information. Right. But sometimes you can't go off of the past information, which is one of the things an exercise like this does force you to do as you start to think about the future. All right. DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Ayuk, Christian Kirk, Alan Lazard, or Robert Woods? Oh boy. What man, this is this is just a potpourri here. Um <laughs> oh, gosh. oh gosh. Okay. Uh okay. Um I will say this this feels a little bit more straightforward. Yeah. Um for Dynasty anyway. For redraft, it's still a little muddy. So I'm gonna start with Dynasty. Um, uh, I actually think Brandon Ayuk will have the most value in Dynasty. Um, with- I felt like using a sound effect, and I agree. Continue. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but but my my surprise, it's just barely a tiebreaker because I actually think that Christian Kirk and Alan Lazard could challenge him for that uh, for different reasons. I mean, Alan Lazard could actually be the top in redraft from this list. If we don't get an Aaron Rodgers retirement and Rodgers follows his career pattern of uh, centering the offense around the veteran guys he has rapport with rather than the young rookies. Um, That would also, that would obviously vault Lazard to the top of the group in both formats. If that happens, the question is, is Lazard actually talented enough to pull that off? Um, I tend to think he is based off of some of some of his efficiency metrics, but the counterpoint is most wide receivers who play with Aaron Rodgers are efficient because he's so good. Um, Looking to the other receivers, I mean, Christian Kirk, he's getting paid like the one and it seems like community sentiment on Trevor Lawrence is that he's going to take a big step forward uh, with Doug Peterson and and company at the helm um, now and urban Meyer and the circus uh, being run out of town. So you can really see it uh, for for all of these guys. You know, with Brandon Ayuk, I think the thing is, is among these three players, you know, from a a profile perspective, we would think that, and we would still cling to the fact that he probably has the highest ceiling. You know, the barriers are, will Trey Lance throw the ball enough? And is Ayuk good enough to overtake Debo Samuel uh, if Debo goes into a more traditional wide receiver role? Uh, along with Ayuk, is Ayuk better than him in that context? I mean, so there there is some things to solve for there, but I, I just like enough a little bit more of what we've seen from Ayuk to date versus what the comparison that we have with Kirk, who's already had his chance to be a number one receiver with a really good quarterback and Kyler Murray and didn't really emerge uh, from this group. And then Lazard, who we have a few more question marks about. Um, Hopkins for redraft, there's you know, you would leave the light on for him in 2023. From this group, you know, he's going to miss the beginning of the season. That could actually be good for him in the long term in terms of his health yeah. because we know he's not hurt. Um, he was just juicing, uh, and that's why he's missing these games. So for him to come back, you know, like at age 31 in 2023 uh, as a, you know, a big-time, you know, double-digit touchdown uh, favorite in in this offense, if, if Kyler uh, sticks around, you know, I think it, it's possible. Um, but it's, it's probably more likely that we see other players – take a step forward, including Hollywood uh, and Rondale uh, and others. Um, And Hopkins maybe struggle to reassert himself as the one uh, at the end of the year. So I'm going to say 
Ayuk, the one in both formats, the one B uh, in both formats, actually for me here is going to be Lazard and then honorable mention to Christian Kirk. I'm going to push both of the veterans down to the bottom of the group. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, so you got the applause sound effect. That's because to me, Brandon Ayuk was the name that I zoned in on. I think especially in Dynasty, it was easy for me to arrive at him first, given that profile, the situation of where he is. Um, From a redraft perspective, it is hard to imagine him imagine him having this huge breakout like could be possible for Lazard or even Kirk. Um, but if I do look at the overall situation, I think I end up going with Ayuk, especially when you consider how he was playing down the stretch last year. Maybe things break out really well with Trey Lance and we see San Francisco, you know, pick up where it left off and maybe even improve some of the things that offense can do, put Ayuk in more you know, situations. Um, Lazard, it's really tempting to start thinking about, you know, all of those touchdowns and targets you could get from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's yeah. really tempting. Um, but that, I feel like if I'm building that distribution of outcomes like I talk about, it's not an edge case, but it's not, you know, the major portion of that distribution. I don't think it would make sense to expect that. As a result, I end up with Ayuk in both. Um, who's the, we didn't even talk about Robert Woods. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, uh, somewhat unexciting offense. I mean, he still should be able to get his, but it's an offense where even if he's getting his, I don't think we see him stepping over that wide receiver, 18 wide receiver, 20 type of age or excuse me, um, range. You look at the age also coming off injury, right? There's just a lot of things that don't line up for him at this point in his career to be the guy that you would pick in an exercise like this, I don't think. Yeah, and he's just not going to be projectable week to week. We could also see Ryan Tannehill out of that job uh, mm-hmm. next season if things go yep. south. You know, if Henry were to get injured again this year and Tannehill fails to carry the offense uh, as he did in 2021 uh, in the same situation, um, you know, the, the team's really going to sour there. So... Uh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, hopefully this, this, uh, format was helpful, uh, to the listeners because we're going to do it. We're going to come right back (laughs) with running back and quarterback and tight end versions of this episode. But, you know, you had just some great notes before we started recording around how redraft ADP and redraft sentiment can inform, um, dynasty strategy. You know, if you're doing a midsummer startup over on the FFPC, a word of his triflex dynasty league, Looking at redraft rankings is a way, you know, potentially to to get into some tiebreakers. Once you get into those double digit rounds and those really difficult decisions to make, um, you know, using redraft ADP even in place of rankings um, is, is is an interesting exercise because you know all those players need to do then is basically match their redraft ADP to accrue value, provided that they're not, you know, a former UDFA or an over the hill player from an age perspective. Um, so it, it's definitely very useful. Uh, I think it's giving me some ideas about a couple updates that I would like to make, uh, in my dynasty rankings and tiers, uh, over on the site. So you can be sure to check those out as well. Uh, anything to add here as we close Dave, just that there is this odd push and pull when you think about doing rankings between ranking at the current points in time at right now or ranking a little bit in the future. 
Um, yeah. And yeah. I think that when you play both of these formats, you realize that they can inform each other. And if you take little pieces of the lessons you're picking up in both and you put them together, it generally leads to just being a better overall manager in those different formats. So, you know, pulling in some of those different thought processes in both formats, I think is helpful. That's the final thing I'll add. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.